If you weren't here last week, we started off the year with just kind of laying the foundation of what is Church on the Hill. And we just kind of identified the two big points for us. Number one, that we'd be a church of integrity. And uh, as a result, we passed out our finances, uh, our financial review uh, for you. How many of you guys were here last week? You got that? You got the finance? If you weren't here and you'd like to get a copy of our financial review from 2015, we'll try to have them out in the uh, foyer on one of the tables for you. Just pick it up. We feel like it's important uh, to always walk in character and integrity and uh, have integrity in things we do. And the biggest thing that I find that people suffer uh, with a lack of integrity is in their money. Come on, somebody. And if anything, the church ought to lead the way in integrity when it comes to money. And so so we laid out where we spent it, what, how much came in, how much of tithes and offerings we all brought forward and what we did with it. And uh, it was awesome and it was miraculous and we were so impressed. And then the second piece of last week's message, uh, not only about integrity, the other thing that Church on the Hill is all about is that we're missional. It, we're on a mission to do great things for God, to touch people's lives. We don't want to just have a church where you come and, and, you know, little Johnny's taken care of and gets a little ice cream in the back and we have little sweet services. We want to change the world. We want to make it hard to go to hell from DFW. When we stand before the King of Glory, we don't want anybody to have an excuse. I live right down the street from you guys. I never knew Jesus was Lord. Not on our, not on our watch. Come on, somebody. We want to make it hard to go to hell. We're missional. We're going to take missions trips, and I encourage every one of you to take one of these missions trips with us. You say, oh, I've, I've never done anything like that. That's real uncomfortable. That's right. It is uncomfortable, and not only that, but you keep doing the same old stuff and getting the same old results. Why don't you have a little bit of adventure in your life and go on a missions trip? You grab a little Johnny, take him with you. It'll change your family. People ask me all the time, say, man, your kids are awesome. Why are your kids so awesome? I said, well, first, because of me. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. All the new people are like, yeah, I'm out of here. No, I, and I tell them all the time, it's because we started taking them on mission trips when they were little, and they saw the pain and the suffering, and it broke that little selfish stuff that American kids end up having all over them taught them how to love the hurting and, and what life was really all about. And I, I tell you, I would get my kid on a mission trip and I'd go as a family and say, well, I, you know, I'd have to take off from work. Yeah, that's right. It'll be awesome and it'll change the trajectory of your entire family. I'd do it. We got them, uh, uh, we've got uh, Erica Byler waiting for you in the foyer after service to talk to you or have some more information about it. All right, with all that being said, are you ready to jump into the Word today? Say yes. All right, I've titled this message, Look and See. We're going to do a four-part series called Look and See. Turn to the person next to you and say, Look and See. No, you can do better than that. Say, Look and See. There you go. And our key verse today is found in 2 Kings chapter 6 and verse 17. 2 Kings 6 and verse 17. If you've got your Bibles, go ahead and turn them on. If you don't, you can look on the screen. It says, And Elisha prayed, O Lord, open his eyes so he may see. Father, I pray that over the next 30 minutes that you would open the eyes of the men and women in this room that they may see. Lord, that you would cause them to no longer see with eyes of the flesh, but see in the spirit realm the plans, the purposes, the desires that you have for them. Father, I pray right now in Jesus' name that they would have a spiritual encounter with you over the next 25 to 30 minutes that causes them to say, I know what I need to do. I, I know what God has for me. I'm seeing now clearly what God's plan is and what I need to be about. I pray that, Lord Jesus, that over the next four weeks, as we really hone in and really focus on changing the things of our life to be more like you, 
that you would give guidance and direction. I pray that the men and women in this room and those that are listening to this message by podcast, Lord God, that they would start having encounters in the night with you, that they would have prophetic dreams and visions in Jesus' name, that, Lord God, that they would begin to encounter you in a way that's unprecedented, more than anything they've ever experienced in this, before this time. And, Father, I pray right now that you would seal the word and it would not be stolen from their hearts in Jesus' name. And everybody shout it, amen. Now, if you don't mind, this passage in verse 17 is pulled out of a, an, a, a, an overall storyline that you need to see. And so it, it is church, and I think we ought to read the word a little bit more than we do. So let's go ahead and back up to verse 8 of 2 Kings chapter 6, and let's see the whole storyline here. It says, now the king of Aram was at war with Israel. After conferring with his officers, he said, I will set up my camp in such and such a place. And the man of God, talking about Elisha, sent word to the king of Israel, beware of passing that place, because the Armenians are going down there. And so the king of Israel checked on that place, and indicated by the man of God, and time, again, time and again, Elisha warned the king so that he was on his guard in such places. This enraged the king of Aram. And he summoned his offers and demanded of them, will you not tell me which of us is on the side of the king of Israel? Now let me put this in perspective. So he, he's making these secret plans on how to jump the Israeli army. He's got all these secret hideout places that he's going to, and every time he makes these plans, the prophet sees it in the spirit and goes and tells the king of Israel, and he's able to avert being t- conquered or taken over by this other army. And at this point, the king is like, who, the king of Aram is like, who is telling our secrets? Which one of you are a spy? And then this is the response of one of his officers. And it says, and then uh, he summoned his officers and demanded them, which one of you will tell me which is on the side of Israel? Verse 12, none of us, my lord, the king, said one of his officers, but Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the very words you speak in your bedroom. I just want you to know, I'm real prophetic, and God shows me the words that you guys speak in your bedroom. I just want you to know, I, I know that. just want you to know that. I'm just kidding. That would be creaky, wouldn't it? <laughs> like, creepy. That's what God's doing. And he says, listen, there's this prophet, dude, man, and everything you're saying in private, even in your bedroom, he hears it from God. And then look at the, the king's response then is, he says, well, go find where he's at. And so he sent men and he captured him. Uh, Send men and capture him. The report came back. He's in Dothan. Verse 14. So then he sent horses and chariots and strong forces there. And they went by night and surrounded the city. Now you understand? They're chariots and horses and and all this type of, this this is an army's army. This would be like us sending, you know, the Air Force, the Marines, the Navy, the the, the foot soldiers, everybody. Sending everyone, the the best of the best. This isn't just a little group of people with a van, with the windows tinted out. They're going to do a little quick kidnapping. They, They have sent the army to go get this joker. They are surrounding the city and they snuck there with their tanks and their Armageddon's uh, machines in the middle of the night and they're around the city ready for the sun to break and they were going to attack and go get and go get Elisha. In verse 15, and when the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh my Lord, he said, uh, what shall we do? The servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, 
Oh Lord, open his eyes so that he may see. And then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and he saw the hills were full of horses and chariots of fire. Dun, 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 sorry. All around Elisha. And as the enemy came down toward him, Elisha prayed to the Lord, strike these people with blindness. So he struck them with blindness as Elisha had asked. So let me kind of put this in perspective for you. So when it says the servant of Elisha, it's talking more about an intern. Uh, He had this group of prophets that he was training, these young ministers, these young prophets that he was training. And and so I would imagine this particular one had gotten up early and had walked out to get water. He was going to beat all the other prophets and and, and show how spiritual he was. And and he walked out and he's getting water out of the little well. And as he's rolling it up, he starts looking around and he realizes, oh, snap. There are all these guys standing there. Machines, tanks pointing at him. And he's like, <laughs> and I believe he probably comes running into Elijah's bedroom. Elijah's kind of waking up and he runs and he says, OMG, there's the rat of the city. We're going to die. And the prophet said, What? It's in the middle of the night. The king of Aram is so mad at you. You've been telling all the secrets. And, and he sent the whole army. They're going to kill us all. We're all going to die. We die. And Elisha responds to him. He says, listen, don't be scared. He said, because there are more for us than there are for them. I would imagine that that little young prophet, that little servant guy, that little intern, that little, you know, you know, servant kid looked at him and went, what are you smoking? There are hundreds, thousands out there, and it's me and you and a couple little prophet guys. Like, they don't have weapons. They don't know how to fight. They're little prayer dudes. You know, it's IHOP kids, you know. I mean, like, what are you talking about? This is, what what are you talking about? There's more for us. And I think as a response to his attitude, and I think as a response to his unbelief, a response to what, what, what he couldn't see, I think, I think that's why Elijah said, oh God, open his eyes to see. Let him look and see that which he cannot see. And in that moment, God opens this kid's eyes, or this young man's eyes, and he sees in the spirit realm. And he sees the chariots of fire. He sees the angels standing there with swords ablaze, drawn in their hands. He sees the host of heaven standing there around Elijah and the house of Elijah. Come on, somebody. And they're standing there. And he says, (laughs) all right, bring it on in, because we got the angels of God on our side. And the moment that he sees it, it's almost as though that's when the Armenian army begins to attack. And as they begin to attack, Elijah stands up and says, blindness. And they are, and listen, I don't care if you know Croft McGraw. I don't care if you're a sniper of the greatest uh, extent. I don't care if you can run a tank. If you can't see, you can't do jack. And they can't see a thing. See, This series is all about you being able to see what God sees so that you can do what God wants done. My goal in this series is help you and I get delivered from what we see in the mirror so that we can start seeing through the binoculars of God as to his plans, his purposes, and his desires for you and what you're supposed to look like and not what you think you look like in the mirror but what God has intended for you. Are you with me? Say yes. And so let's kind of break this down for just a moment. So this servant, this young man, if you will, 
has become accustomed to doing what you and I do. He's become accustomed to seeing what's in the natural. And we'll let this mirror stand for what we see in the natural. And so he sees himself based on what's in the natural. And the circumstances around him are based on what he can see. He sees a great army. Or an Armenian army. He sees it. It's what he can see. It's what he knows to be true. And what he can see, therefore, means that we're going to be destroyed. So he, he's responding to what he can see. The problem is he can't see what God sees. He can't, all he can see is what's in the natural. He hasn't gotten spiritual eyes yet. He's not able to see in the spiritual realm and to see the things of God the way Elijah can. And so Elijah has to literally look and see what God sees. Look and see about those that are with us are greater than those that are with them. What, what are you talking about? <gasps> there they are. And it changed everything about this man in that moment. My goal for you is that you would stop seeing just what you see in the mirror. See, each and every one of you, about 10 days ago, maybe 12, 15 days ago, you were starting into the new year, and you wrote down New Year's resolutions. You came up with ideas and plans, and you based them all on what you saw in the mirror. I need to lose weight. I need to pray more. You based everything that you made a New Year's resolution about, what you saw in the natural, what you know you need to do better. I need to go to church more. I need to be nicer to my wife. I need to pray. I need to, and guess what? You've done that for the last 10, 15 years, and how's that worked out for you? See, the problem is we're trying to get our trajectory based on what we see in the mirror instead of what God sees. And so when your model, when your goal is trying to fix what you already can see that doesn't look the way you think it should see, then the problem with that goal is you're not even the model. Jesus is the model. He's the end result, not fixing what's in the mirror. Are you with me? Come on, stay with me. And so this servant is carnally minded because that's what he can see. And that's what you and I do. Until we get to the place where we can see what God sees, we continue to simply try to correct the carnality of it all instead of walking in the spirit of it all. Are you with me? Say yes. Look at 1 Corinthians 13, 12. This is a, uh, the concept that we see that Paul brings out to the Corinthians. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 12, it says, Now we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part... Then I shall know fully, even as I am known fully. What Paul is talking about, he starts off in chapter 12 talking about the spiritual gifts. Listen, nine gifts of spirit, words of wisdom, words of knowledge, that you'd prophesy, that you would speak in other tongues, that you would, that you would uh, heal the sick, that you would literally, that you'd move in these gifts. He starts that in chapter 12. And then he moves into chapter 13, as in, but listen, all of those gifts really should come from a place of love, loving the Lord and loving one another. And so chapter 13 is the love passage, as, as it's referred to many times. Love your neighbor as much as you love yourself is what Jesus said it. But in this, he, he qualifies what love is. Love is kind, love is patient, love is gentle. And then when we drop down to this verse right here, down in verse 12, he says it that, like this, and he continues on. He says, now we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror. He's saying, here's the deal. I want you to have all these spiritual gifts working in your life, and it's got to come from a place of love. But here's the problem. We're trying to do that from looking in the mirror and the flesh and trying to figure out how we could do it better. He says, but listen, there'll be a moment 
moment where we see the fullness of the Spirit, where we, what we know in part will become fulfilled and will be known in fulfillment and completeness. And he said, and there's the breakdown, literally, guys, for you and me. It says, it's not that we don't love Jesus. It's not that we don't want to serve Jesus. It's not that we don't want to be used by Jesus. The problem is we're basing everything on what we see in the mirror. I need to lose weight. I need to be spiritually more like this. And we're basing that on the natural instead of on the supernatural. And my goal for you today is that your eyes would open and you would start seeing what Jesus sees about your life. And so I'm going to compare the two between the mirror and what we call the binocular. So I bought you all these little binoculars. Would you pass these out to all my friends in here? And so they're little paper binoculars. You're going to be surprised how cool they are. Okay, so each one of you have these, and I'm asking you to bring it back all the rest of January, every Sunday. And then we're going to give you little markers. You can pass them around. We've got enough for about half the people. And as God gives you revelation on what he says you look like, I want you to write it on the binoculars because they're paper. I did it on purpose so you can write on so that this could be a mark for you for the next 10 years of your life when God spoke to me that this is what he saw about me. And you write down a little word, some little word. Maybe you saw, maybe you saw heal the sick. Write that on your binoculars. Maybe, maybe over the next couple of weeks, God will speak to you and, and show you that maybe one of the key pieces for you and what you're supposed to look like, what you're supposed to be, is that you're supposed to be a person of intercession. Write that on these binoculars. The Lord's going to speak to you and me. Go ahead and open them up. Come on, get them out and start looking up here at me. Let me I'll look at you while you look at me. Boy, I, I'm going to start using this during tithes and offerings, see how much y'all giving. Checking this out. This is magnificent. Come on, everybody. Yeah, look up here. Come on. Come on, you're getting it. There you go. There you go. All right, so listen. So what does a binocular do? A binocular allows you to see what's off in the distance so that you can see it more clearly so that you know what you're looking at. Are you with me? Say yes. I believe every person in this room knows God has a plan and a purpose for your life. The problem I think it is, that you have is that you can't really see it. You don't really know what it looks like. So guess what happens? When I don't know what the picture for my life looks like, then I stand in the mirror and I say, okay, I've got to adjust to look like somebody, and that's when we start comparing ourselves with other people. That's when the, somehow the, the, um, the place of success is that I pray 25 times a day. Well, where'd that come from? Because so, sister so-and-so does it? That's, that may not be success for you. That may not be the plan that God has for you. And so we'll use these binoculars to kind of represent what we see in the Spirit. And with that, I'd like to quote 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9 and 10. It says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed it to us by his spirit. Now let me explain to you what that means. Let me explain to you what needs to happen over the next four weeks. You and I are walking through our Christian walk, living our life, doing our best. And every day what happens is we go and we go look in the mirror and we see what we look like in the mirror. And then we start trying to change things. Oh, I need to do this better. Oh, I need to, I need, oh, I realize I'm not good enough in this and that kind of thing. Well, the problem with that is that's so fleshly and so carnal that you'll never be good enough to change it all to be great. You miss a good place to say amen. You'll never be smart enough. I'll never be good enough to be a great pastor. All I can do is learn what God has for me and do my best to follow it. Come on, somebody. And so what the spiritual binoculars today will do for you is that you and I can now pull out our binoculars and see the little dummy guy on the side. Look at that mannequin. And so from a distance, here I am. In my, I'm only at this spot in my Christian walk. 
This is as far as I've made it. I'm still not as great as I want to be, but as I begin to get spiritual eyes, and I can see further in the distance by seeing what God sees, and this is what happened with this servant. He could only see the army in the natural, but when God opened his eyes, he could see something much further off. He could see something so spiritual that it could have ne- he'd have never seen it without God opening his eyes. And that's our prayer, that you and I, that God would open our eyes. So as I look through my binoculars, look at that Adam McCain there. He looks a lot taller than he really is. Thank you, Jesus. Look at that guy. He's smiling all the time. Come on, somebody. And I picked this particular one. I want to show you this real quick. I picked this particular mannequin because, uh, because he has abs. I just want to point that out right there. So there we go. Put that back in there. All right. So let me see if I can see that. Okay. So, Lord, what's your plan for Adam McCain? Bam, look at them abs. I see it, Lord. I receive it. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plan to prosper you and give you abs. I'm rewriting scripture right now. Put that in. And so, so what happens in life is if, if you and I can't see what God sees, then guess what? We end up staying right here. So I want you to picture that I'm on a journey. We're all on a journey. I want to picture a path. You and I are climbing the sides of mountains and going down in valleys. We're following the path. Because doesn't the word of God say, wide is the path that leads to destruction? Narrow is the path that leads to life and only few therein find it? So I'm on this path. And so as I'm walking through life, we're having kids. uh, You know, I'm working in the ministry. And I'll look up one day and I go, oh God, where, where am I supposed to be right now? What am I supposed to look like? And so if I'm not careful, I'll go look in the mirror and go, oh, that surely that doesn't look right. But if I'll take the spiritual binoculars and I'll say, God, where, where, do, where do you have for me? God, where am I supposed to be? Oh, oh, there. Oh, wow, look at that. I'm not there yet. Somebody say amen. amen. I'm not there yet. But I at least know where there is. And so then I start walking. Okay, Lord, I'm going to journey it out. And I start walking through. And you know what? I take this divert because the Lord sends me down this pathway. And I'm hanging out with my new friend. He's so cool. And then uh, and I go, oh, Lord, where am I at now? Because now all the kids are graduated from high school. Come on, stay with me. Now what am I supposed to be doing? Or my small group has come to an end, and I don't know what to do now. And so then what I do? I pull out the spiritual eyes, and I start looking. Lord, where am I? Where do you want? Oh, there it is. There it is. Look at, woo, that's even better looking. And so I start walking that direction because I know which way it is. But here's what life does to us. As we're going through life, trying to get to the vision that God has for us, life throws us obstacles. Is that not true? I lost my mic. Give me that. Just hand it to me in my hand. So life throws us obstacles. Like Miss Anna, whose husband's dead today. If she just stares in the mirror, she's going to see depression, difficulty, and no way out. But if she can get spiritual eyes, she can see that even in horrible hardship, God can get glory. And that the trajectory of her life is not sent backwards through this, but God can propel her forward through this. Even in hardship. But if she's only staring in the mirror, then she looks at herself as a lonely individual now who doesn't have a husband, whose children don't have a dad. And then she starts comparing what's broken as what she sees in the natural. But if she'll take up her spiritual eyes and say, Lord, what do you see? He says, I see a host that are greater than the hosts that are against you. I see a plan and a purpose through this that's going to propel you to greatness. And so many Christians that I know, they're still looking in the mirror saying, I can't, I can't stop drinking. So I'm going to stop. Try to, this year's resolution not to drink, but two beers after work. And they're trying to fix it in the natural, but they don't have a vision of what God sees. 
And see, what happens is when I see what God has for me, then nothing else can compare. And I start down a pathway to get to that. And bumps happen along the way. And I get a little shaken and I realize, whoa, I've lost my bearings. And I'll pull back out my spiritual eyes and say, Lord, where is it again? Oh, there it is. Well, it's a little different than it was when we first started. When I first started in the ministry, the word of the Lord to me was that I was to be a revivalist for a younger generation. I preached all over the world. Teenagers, young people, preached all over the world. Loved it. Lived it with the fullness of my ability. I went to take a, a church when I was 33 years old, I was going to take over a mega church in Atlanta, 5,000 people in weekly attendance. The Lord spoke to me and said, nope, I want you to go run a Bible school. And it's an open vision. I saw it. I could say, I was like, whoa, whoa, I'm not even gifted for that. I didn't call, really? You call me that? Okay, I'll do it. And I started down that trajectory. In the midst of doing that, the Lord said, I want you to plant a church. Wow, plant a church. Okay. I would have never done that. I would have never done that in my own strength. If I'd have been looking in the mirror, I would, you would not be here and I would not be here. I'd have never planted this church. Why? Because it's too much work. I don't want to plant church. I want to preach. I don't care for people. I don't want to have to deal with people who lost their husbands. That's too much work. It's too much pain. It's too much. I'd rather just be the guy who gets on Christian television and run off and it'd be awesome. Write books. Everybody gives me money. But the Lord had need of me. And I am fulfilled and I am walking in the spirit, if you will, because I'm following the plan that he has and the Adam McCain that he's designed out, not the Adam McCain I see in the mirror. The Adam McCain I see in the mirror, he, he's got so many shortcomings. The Adam McCain that's in the mirror, he'll never try anything really big because he doesn't have the education for it. The Adam McCain that I see in the mirror, he, he, he really just doesn't have the stamina to do the big things that God might would want. So he's just going to do his best just to get by. That's what some of you have done. And God's got something so supernatural. But the difference is... This is walking after the flesh, and this is walking after the Spirit. Look at Romans chapter 5. It's one of, excuse me, chapter 8. It's one of my favorite passages. Romans 8 talks about this whole difference between walking in the Spirit, walking after the flesh. Romans chapter 8 and verse 5, it says, Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. So here's, here, here's what the Lord is teaching us. See, if you're religious and you don't know Jesus, then you're trying to be good and not bad, and you're doing that based on what you see in the mirror or what some religious organization has told you is to what's supposed to look right and how it's supposed to be. But if you do, according to what the Scripture teaches, we're supposed to follow the Spirit. So guess what? The way you look in the Spirit is different than the way I look in the Spirit. And so there's no cookie-cutter Christian that's supposed to look like this, and our callings all look like this, and our purposes all look like this. Every part doing its part, every piece being significant, and every piece is having a little different look, and a little different piece, and a little calling that's a little different than this one over there. And it all comes together to make the body of believers that changes the world. And so you say, man, I'm just different. I'm just different different. I, I don't know what to say about it. I just don't even like to go sit in services. It just drives me insane. I'd rather sit in a small group. Amen. Praise God. Open about 10 of them for us. Come on, just start helping people. Because, because God and his plan for you doesn't look like everybody else's. And if we force you to try to be what, what you think is supposed to look in the mirror, then you'll never become the man of God you're supposed to be or woman of God you're supposed to be. And so that's why you have to have Eyes that see. What does God have for you? What does he have for me? If you're going to do New Year's resolutions, why are you basing them on what you see in the mirror instead of what God sees? 
You're only going to come to the end of it about three months into it and say, that sucks, that stunk, I didn't make it. And you're going to be back to the place of shame and frustration and aggravation. What if you and I got a vision? What if you and I saw who God saw us as? What if we saw, what if we saw what God saw? What, what, if, we, what if we could see? The servant couldn't see it. I would imagine Elijah's just kind of standing there like, bro. <laughs> Uh, if you could see what I could see, you would not be scared right now. I'm going to tell you that right now. You sure wouldn't be. Based on what he saw, he made decisions. What would happen if that servant had never seen what Elisha saw? What would he have done? You think about it. He's surrounded by an army of people. They're either going to kill him or they're going to take him and beat him and take him. What would he have done if he had never seen what God saw? He would have responded to what he saw and reacted on a carnal, natural basis based on the carnal, natural basis of what he saw. That's how some of you are living. Because you can't see it in the spirit what God is doing. And so Elijah says, Lord, open his eyes so he can see. And what was meant for destruction turned around. And that entire army, if you go back and read, Elijah, Elijah leads them into the middle of Samaria. So he comes walking with all these blind warriors, with all their weaponry, and he leads them into the middle of Samaria. And so all the, all the Israelite army gathers around him. And the king of Israel uh, 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 says, should we kill him? He goes, no. He said, watch this, poof. Their eyes are back open. They, wait, they, they come to you like, oh, snap, we're surrounded. We give up. And so then what happens is, Elijah says, feed them. Give them a banquet. Like, what? Okay. They feed them and send them home. And the king of Armenia says, I'm not attacking these people anymore because God's on their side. God's on their side. God is, what he's doing in the spirit, it's so much bigger than what you see here. And you're so addicted to here that you can't see there. And my goal for every person in this church is that you could see what God sees about you. That he has plans and purposes and, 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 and he sees you as a prayer warrior. You say, I don't even like to go to church. He sees you as literally casting devils out of people. What? He see, what he sees about you. That the music that you're writing, right now you're playing, you know, in a club or something and, and trying to go to church. He sees that the music that you write, that comes from him in the spirit, literally delivers people from alcoholism. He sees, what he sees is not what you and I see, and that's why we need to see what he sees so we can change the trajectory of our life. And then when you see what it's really supposed to look like, your life that is, then you can strategically plan on how to get there. And that's the plans fail because we're trying to fix this instead of get to what he said we are and what he pictures us as. Let me give you a couple thoughts as we close out. Moving from the mirror to the binoculars. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be a guy who's always looking in the mirror. I want to be the guy looking through the binoculars and seeing who God wants me to be. Number one, it's going to take you and I humble ourselves. We're going to have to humble ourselves. Yeah, just say, you know what? Listen, I, I don't I don't know, God. I don't really, I'm doing my best. I go to work. I, I love my kids. I go to church. I go to a small group, things like that. But I don't really know what you see about me. 
I don't know the significance in that. So, Lord, I humble myself and ask you to help me. Come on, somebody ought to say amen right there. That's the truth. The second thing that I feel like you and I are going to have to do, and that is we're going to have to start crucifying the flesh daily. The reason why we're fasting right now as a church is to kill that flesh because I want you to be men and women of the Spirit. For those who walk by the Spirit do not gratify the sinful nature. The carnal mind, that's led, led, the, 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 the life that's led by the carnal mind leads to death. The, 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 the one led by the Spirit leads to life and joy. And so you and I have to become people who walk in the Spirit. We have to be. Our generation needs us to have the word of the Lord, the prophetic word that comes. And we say, no, I'm sorry. I don't care what they say. I've seen a vision. I know what God wants. I know what God's doing. And so I don't care what they say. You may think that. Oh, God, open their eyes so they can see what we can see. That's who we want to be. That's who you're called to be. You can stand there when your kids are freaking out. We're going to die. <laughs> oh, buddy. God, open his eyes. See what, I'm gonna see what I see. God's got it all, buddy. He's got it all figured out. It's all, it's all, listen, don't worry yourself. Because we have patterned our life and organized our life based on what we saw in the flesh instead of what we see in the spirit. And that's why you have difficulties in your life is because you keep organizing your life based on what you saw in the mirror instead of what you saw in the binoculars. And the last piece I would share with you is that you need to adjust your direction based on what God sees. You need to adjust your direction based on what God sees. I've done that over and over in my life. Adjusted my direction based on what God sees over my life. I, I, listen, I, I stopped traveling because God said, you guys, this church, this city, we want to make it hard to go to hell from the Metroplex. We want to birth you into churches all over. We want to birth churches using you all over. Wherever you want to go, wherever God's saying, we want to birth them, turn them loose, and explode. We want to put one on every corner. We want to have a multiracial, multi-generational church on every corner in the Metroplex. He said, oh, that's a big vision. That's his vision, not my problem. That's his problem. That means you've got to see what he sees so that he could accomplish what he wants accomplished. And so with that being said, the goal with this series, starting next week, my, my prayer is that you would see how he sees the spiritual you. The week after that is that you begin to see how he sees the relational you. And the goal after that is how he sees the physical you. He said, what do you mean by that? Well, listen, I appreciate all those little skinny women on TV, but listen, they never, everybody called to be a size one. Come on, come on, ladies, amen. God made you the way he made you. And we need to see how he made us. Come on, fellas, not all of us need abs. And all the men said, amen, thank you, Jesus. But I want to li- live a long life. And so the Lord's going to help us with these things. And that's what this series is going to be all about. I want you to bow your heads for just a moment. Set your stuff down in your lap. My goal today was to set the pace that over the next few days and weeks as you're fasting and praying and asking God to do things in your life that you actually know what you're asking for. What you're asking for is a vision of what he sees over you. What does he see for you, for your children? What does he see for your grandchildren? What's his thoughts and plans? How, the best person to tell you what something ought to look like is the person who made it. And so if you want to know what God has for you and what this year ought to be and what you need to adjust and how you need to direct your life, you need to go get spiritual eyes and see what God sees over your life. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want you just right now to humble yourself. 
and say to the Lord, Lord, help me. I don't see it the way I know you want to see it. Lord, I, I don't really have it the way I know I should have it. In fact, if you've, you and I, most of us in this room, been like the servant. We see real clear in the mirror. We're running around trying to fix what we see in the mirror. But what we need to see is what God sees in the spirit room. We need to see what he, his plans were and what his plans are for our lives so that we can begin to change to the trajectory of what we're doing and why we're doing it. It'll make sense when you see what he sees. So as you sit there with your head bowed and your eye closed, I want you just to humble yourself and say, Lord, speak to me over these next few weeks. Open my eyes. Open my eyes that I may look and see what you see. God, open my eyes so I can see what you see. As we sit here in humility, I believe the Lord's going to respond to us. And I believe that over the next few days, God's going to increase you with fasting and prayer. That he's going to speak to you and make clear some things. And then literally that you will strategically plan. Some of you, I'm really trying to blow out the water. Some of your plans for how you are going to, your New Year's resolutions. Because what is birthed in the flesh dies in the flesh. What's birthed in the spirit lives forever. And so I'm asking you to hear from the spirit of the Lord what this year should look like. Not what the mirror says. What do the binoculars say? What do you see off in the distance that God has? Look and see. God is for you. Father, I pray for every man and woman in this room right now in Jesus' name. I rebuke every bit of fear, doubt, and unbelief. Just like that servant. He was so scared of his circumstance. He was so scared of seeing what you, what you had planned out. And the Lord, once his eyes was open, Lord God, I would imagine it changed everything about this man. Lord God, I pray right now in Jesus' name for open eyes. Open eyes. Lord, I'm calling to the spirit inside of each one of these men and women. Lord, I'm not speaking to their flesh. The carnal mind cannot understand this message. Lord, I'm crying out to the spirit inside of these men and women. The word says that those that worship you must worship you in spirit and in truth. That you are a God of the spirit. Lord, I pray right now that we would walk after the spirit. We would see what you see and be spiritual leaders for our generation, oh God. I pray right now in Jesus' name that every lie of the mirror, every, every piece that has condemned us and, and literally set our, our path a certain direction, Lord, every bit of that mirror thinking, Lord God, would be removed and we would see what you see. We would become what you called us to be. Should you keep your head bowed and your eye closed? I want to take the last few minutes of my time with you. And I want to give a call to anyone in this room who'd say, Pastor, i got to be honest. I'm away from God. I haven't been serving the Lord. I've been living in sin, and I want to repent. Maybe you're in this room, and you've never been a Christian. I want to give you an opportunity to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you used to serve the Lord, but life has just happened. And you're not sure at all that if you died today, you'd go to heaven. You're not sure at all. I can stand here with all sincerity of heart and say that Daniel, with all of his humanity and all of his weaknesses who died in this car accident Friday night, that he's in heaven because he professed the name of the Lord and he served his God to the best of his ability. I want that for every person in this room. If you've been away from the Lord, this is your moment. I'm asking you to be bold and courageous enough to admit that to yourself. I'm, I'm going to ask you to take a step for, forward and, and admit that to the Lord. And then I want you to even be even more courageous 
and lift your hand and say, that's me, Pastor. I'm away from God and I want to come back. If you're away from the Lord, you've not been a Christian and you're ready to serve the Lord, would you lift your hand and be courageous about that and let me pray with you? I'm not going to embarrass you. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sweet lady. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, sweetheart. Thank you, beautiful lady. God bless you. Thank you, bro. Anybody else? Pastor, I haven't been serving the Lord. I've been away from the Lord. I see your hand. You can put it back down. There's already been about eight or ten of you. Anybody else? Pastor, pray for me. It's time. It's time for me to be right with the Lord. I won't embarrass you. I won't humiliate you, but I sure don't want you to leave this place with destiny laying in the balance and not be right with the Lord. Amen, sister. I see your hand. You can put it down. Thank you, sweetheart. Amen. Those of you that lifted your hand, I'm going to lead you in a prayer, a prayer of repentance, a prayer of connection to God the Father. In fact, I'm going to ask everyone in the audience to pray it out loud with you so you're not by yourself. And I'm going to ask you to mean it with all of your heart. There's nothing magical about the words. What's supernatural is that you lifted your hand and said, I want God. I'm, I'm ready to change. And the Bible says that he's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So let me lead you in that prayer. Would you repeat it with me and say it like this? Say, Jesus, come out loud. Jesus, today I surrender my life. I ask you to forgive me of all my sin. I ask you to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Here in front of all of these people, in front of heaven and earth, I declare Jesus is my Lord. I make you the master of my life. And I ask you to be my best friend. Fill me with your Holy Spirit that I can walk in the Spirit, that I can see in the Spirit, that I can know the plans you have for me. And I pray now that you would write my name in your book of life and I'll serve you forever in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you lift your hands all across the room? Father, I pray for every man and woman in this room right now in Jesus' name that they would have spiritual experiences this week, that they would see it, they would see it, that it would make sense to them now. Lord, that they would see like this servant finally got to see. And it made sense to him. Lord God, we're spiritual people. We need a spiritual experience, oh God. We need to see you and your plans for our lives. God, I ask you now that every plan of the enemy to destroy, every plan to confuse, every lie of that doggone mirror would be shut down. And the truth of how you see us and what you have for us would come to life in our heart and our mind. And Lord, when we hear the devil say, you're a loser, you'll never amount to anything, we'll say, no, I saw it. I saw what God had planned for me. I'm a man of God. And every lie in that mirror, when it says, see, see, God's not really for you. See, they fired you. Then we'll say, no, I saw God prospering me. I saw me lending to those who had need. I saw me caring for the widow. I saw it, and no one can take it from me. Father, I pray right now, Right now, come on, don't put your hands down. Keep receiving. I pray right now that they would start having open visions. Open visions. Oh God, it's what changed Paul's life. Oh God, it's the key to living this thing called life out and walking by the Spirit. May they see in the Spirit so they can walk by the Spirit, so they can fulfill the Spirit's desires and become the man and woman of God they're supposed to be. Father, I cry out that every man and woman in church on the hill would be, have spiritual eyes. They could look and they could see in Jesus' name.
Would you stand with me all across the room? Quickly stand, quickly stand. Now I want you to hold on to your little binoculars. Ladies with purses, you can put them in your purse. Guys, they may fall down small enough to put in your wallet. I'm not sure. But my goal is that by the end of January, you got little things written on it. I saw myself healing the sick. Saw myself raising the dead. I was in prayer one day when I was a young man. I was 16, 17 years of age. I was just sitting before the Lord, worshiping. And I saw it. I saw it. I saw me preaching to millions of people. I saw it. Not all at once. I saw it. I was trying to figure out where I was going to go to college. What I was going to do with my life. And I saw it. I, I saw me being a man of prayer. I, I saw what God's plan was. I saw the intention of the Lord. I saw what he saw. And I've been running after it ever since. Dictated who I married and who I didn't marry. It helped me determine where to live and where not to live. It caused me to know who to be friends with and who not to be friends with. All these pieces you're confused about, all these pieces that seem to be such a difficulty for you, it's because you can't see what God sees. Oh, that's changing this month, amen? Can you give the Lord a hand? Pastor Jonathan, if you'll close us out.